This is Kat Moss from Scowl, and you're listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the new scene. I am your host, Keith, and we're back with another brand new episode. And on this week's show, we've got Sen of Soulblind, and we cover it all. We cover the band, we cover Sen coming up in the Hudson Valley, his early work in music, the formation of Soulblind, recording with Will Yip recording their latest LP, which was one of my favorite releases of 2022, but I don't think I heard it until 2023. I love the band. I love their music. I loved this conversation with Sen, and you're going to love it too. And that's coming up very shortly. But first, there's a lot of big news to cover, so let's get into it. Here's how you can support the new scene. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Pod. Follow one of our three YouTube channels. We've got a main channel with full shows. We've got a clips channel with clips from our favorite episodes. And we've got a gaming channel, which I update periodically. Follow me on Twitch at The New Scene. And give us Apple Podcast and Spotify reviews. Open up your app, hit the five-star button. And in Apple Podcasts, did you know you could write a review? Write a nice review, and I'll read it on the air. Also, there's big, big news in the world of iodine this week. That's right. If you haven't seen it already, available now via iodine recordings is Slip by Quicksand. That's right. Iodine recordings just announced that they'll be releasing the 30th anniversary edition of Quicksand's classic debut LP, Slip. This is a foundational record in my life. It's a top three record for me i love it i love it and iodine is presenting the record in several configurations including a limited deluxe gatefold slip case and a deluxe lp with a 64 page hardcover book that includes a foreword by walter schreifels himself there's never before seen photos rare concert posters original art and a lot more from 90 to 94 when the band was putting out this record and touring at that time. The book covers the history of the album, and there's quotes from a lot of notable bands who were influenced by Quicksand, including Anthrax, Helmet, Sepultura, Thursday, Rise Against, Refuse, Youth of Today, Thrice, Agnostic Front, and a lot more. You have to get your hands on this. I think the Iodine run is already sold out, but there's there's a lot of runs out there. There's a lot of specialty vinyl through different sites go out there go check it out for more information head to iodinerecords.com or go to the quicksand site i know that they have some there as well you got to get your hands on this this is the first time this is on vinyl in over a decade and i'm really excited awesome awesome stuff and don't forget to support this month's sponsor Bridge 9 Records. That's right. Bridge 9 Records will be our sponsor again for the month of February. And we are excited to be partnering with them once again. Roll Call. Have tour dates in Southeast Asia. If you happen to be in Southeast Asia, 
why not go see Roll Call? I mean, what else are you going to do? Also, don't forget to check out the Bridge Nine Record Store at 282 Rantoul Street in Beverly, Massachusetts. They've got Bridge Nine releases. They've got other punk and hardcore releases. They've got the Bridge Nine Silver Series pressings of some of their most classic records. And you may even see Chris Wren himself. And you can go there and you can say, Chris, did you get the reissue of Slip by Quicksand? And he will say, of course. Do I look stupid to you? For more information, head to bridgethenumber9.com or check out their Instagram at bridge9. That's bridge N-I-N-E. Okay. So make sure you check back in with me after the interview with Sen because there's a lot going on. I've had a really crazy week. My band is practicing again. I saw the casket lottery at St. Vitus. That was really exciting. There's a lot going on, and we're going to cover all that after the interview. But right now, we are going to speak to Sen of Soulblind. Enjoy. We are here now with Sen of Soulblind. Sen, welcome to the show. What's going on, Keith? Thanks for having me. Yes, Sen, it's wonderful to have you here. You know, I recently discovered Soulblind, and my favorite thing happens where I hear it, and I'm immediately like, I love this, and then I listen to whatever particular song it is I have on like five times in a row. Oh, man, that's the best. Oh, it's awesome. I love the band. I love the new record. And look, we're going to get to all that stuff. But first, Sen, let me ask you, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty great. Um, Just been hanging around. Don't got a lot of work going on during this like holiday break type thing. Going to go see my roommate's band uh, after this. And it should be pretty cool, you know? Good good end to my day. Oh, that sounds awesome. Are you uh, living in the Hudson Valley still? Um, Not currently. I'm down in Brooklyn for the last... Uh, this will be my third year. But uh, I've... Mostly always lived uh, near the Poughkeepsie area, which is in the Hudson Valley. It's like an hour north of New York City, but uh, moved down here during the pandemic. Oh, really? Where are you at in Brooklyn? Uh, in Bushwick, kind of by Ridgewood. Um, it's like great area down here and like got a cool deal uh, during the pandemic and just been riding it out ever since. 
That's great. Yeah, I have been in Brooklyn for the past 10 years now. Hell yeah. And I am in Williamsburg, and I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's like coming from where I'm from upstate, like the main difference is I I don't have to drive anywhere. I don't have to like, oh, somewhere I want to go is 20 minutes away. That's just not a thing down here. It's it's so, so incredible on the transportation aspect where I could take the train or bus or walk even, you know, it's, it's, that's a game changer for me. And just like, there's so many venues down here, so many shows happening all the time. It's like just night and day. Um, and I'm still like close enough where it's only like an hour or so drive away that I could go back, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I love the convenience of it. Like I'm so used to just walking everywhere to get everywhere now or hopping on the subway and like even little things like if you're sick like i had covid over uh, halloween right and i could barely get out of bed so i just walk one block away to the bodega and say give me day quill night quill this that whatever i need it's it's actually insane like the breakfast game is next level down here i can i have like three different delis to to go from within one block it's like it's insane i i I don't know i i can't see myself leaving for a while i love it down here yeah when i'm traveling i barely eat because i'm so used to the food here i before i moved here i didn't know bagels like real bagels were even a thing because i was just eating at dunkin donuts every morning (laughs) so the bagel game here and the breakfast sandwich game and everything is just it's really eye-opening exactly i i was i was definitely a dunkin warrior for a little bit of my life too but you know we we all been there i even worked there but that kind of scared me away for a couple years but now now i'm fully on the deli wave (laughs) you actually worked there that must have been intense Yo, it was because I worked the overnights by myself at like, no, I was like 19 and it was crazy. Like, obviously I started like during the day shifts or whatever, but then like they quickly moved me to this overnight position because they were just like, oh, we need someone. And I was the only one doing it from 10 to 6 a.m. And it was just terrible. Like I was getting like 775 an hour before any kind of wage increase. Just, just awful, you know, had to like prepare all the bagels and donuts for the day and that they would they would come in and like everyone would be on their like a uh, morning rush trying to get all the coffees I'm in there trying to chef everything up at 5 a.m. by myself it's, it's it's awful but you know and also I had way too many donuts every time I was passing by the donut tray I would just take one take one of the munchkins you know yeah <laughs> I, would, I would take the chocolate glaze boom in my mouth every time and uh I I had to take a whole like three-year hiatus off Duncan after I quit that shit and I was like nah I, I can't do this anymore <laughs> You know what? I uh, I stopped eating it for a long time, too. And then one day, the, I order my breakfast sandwich from the same place every morning. It's like a block and a half away from my house. I'm so lazy. I won't even go get it. It was closed. So I'm like, well, what's open? Duncan's open. So I got my old breakfast. There you go. And it was horrible. But um, I do like the donuts a lot still. So I'll throw a couple of those in the order. So I'm really ordering Duncan as a means to get the donuts to my house. Yeah, they're 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 pretty good i i've i've since grown to uh to like them again it's just like the egg sandwiches are not it you know i no. i don't know like and i've prepared i know what they do they just like have like the pre-made like egg patty things and they're just terrible i i, I can't can't get the satisfaction from there no it's all microwaved it's terrible yep uh not not a fan but you know a salute to duncan man that they've especially being from the northeast my whole life this they're they're the ones <laughs> So you're in Brooklyn. Where's the rest of the band? Uh, our guitarist, Finn, is down here with me. He's in Ridgewood, not too far from me. And um, our drummer, Steve, splits time. His uh, his girl lives down in Brooklyn as well and, and still lives uh, 
his he still lives up in Millbrook, New York, which is kind of near um, Poughkeepsie. And then our other guitarist, Justin, he lives uh, up in the Hudson Valley as well. So like we're kind of half and half, basically. Okay, so there's enough people in Brooklyn. It sounds like we can get together and write and maybe practice a little. So that's what you would think, right? But uh, we we can't find a practice space down here. That, I mean, we could do like the hourly stuff, but um, we have a spot up in Beacon, New York, which is a little closer than Poughkeepsie even in uh, the Hudson Valley. Uh, we split that with a bunch of bands. So we, we don't practice like super often just from like a weird touring schedule and like getting everyone's schedules uh, in line and stuff. So we'll do that like maybe two or three times a month. We'll just like all ride up and, uh, and practice there. But used to have a studio down here, but it got so expensive and I got like a, another cool like pandemic deal and I recently had to give it up. So unfortunately don't practice down here, but it's kind of like we got the majority down here, so I don't know. I'm I'm gonna try and convince uh, everyone to come down here, but it's it's just like a cool situation we got up in Beacon where we can uh, be loud as fuck and do whatever we want, you know. So it's 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 cool for now. Yeah, the the practice everything here is expensive. Everything, especially practice spaces. It's crazy. I I got a ten by ten studio, which isn't even good enough to have a full band in. Like everyone's in a corner looking at each other, and like the drum kit is like bumping into everybody and shit so like <laughs> it's not even a full band thing but i got it for like 175 during the pandemic because everyone was just leaving and like they were like pressed uh to fill the spots and then every year they doubled the price and i was like you know what i can't do this you know this is it's just like a crazy uh crazy investment but it's all good yeah, I've been in those situations where the room is so small, like one room was so small and there was so much junk in there. We all had to stand single file. It was like drum set, me right in front of that guitarist right in front of me. Yeah, that's that's what we did for uh, a couple months before we found the spot up upstate. And it was it was definitely hell and it would get hot as hell in there. And just like you couldn't hear the vocals at all. It's just like the PA wasn't loud enough compared to everything else. And it was, it was definitely like a desperate means situation. But uh it was it was cool while it lasted, you know, and and I didn't mind because it was like two stops away from me. So I was like, hell yeah, you guys could drive down here. That that'd be awesome. But uh, didn't last long. So talk about growing up in Poughkeepsie and that area and your musical influences. Is it something you've always been interested in? Um, yeah, I was like, I was born in like the Bronx and lived in Yonkers until I was like nine, and then I moved up to. Uh, around like the Poughkeepsie area. And that's kind of where I started more or less really paying attention to music and trying to get into more stuff that, that more than just was playing in like my parents' car while we were driving or whatever. But I definitely loved living up there for like my more or less like coherent years of, of learning, you know? Um, we had a cool couple of radio stations I would really tap into because I'm, I'm 28. So it, we didn't quite have like internet streaming when I was that young. It wasn't like fully there. So I was just, we had like a alternative rock radio station called 96.9. They were just playing everything from grunge shit to like early 2000s alternative, which I was like really into Linkin Park and all that. That really put me onto a lot of stuff. I'm a big like pop r&b rap fan too so like i was just listening to top hits radio and just like getting that ear i was always listening to oldies in my parents car motown bunch of like 70s classic rock stuff so i had like a broad influence from uh i guess like kind of earlier in my life and just kind of uh took two lanes um i remember when i was 
probably around nine or 10, I got like my first CDs that like I picked out in the store, you know, uh, one was Usher Confessions and the other was Linkin Park Meteora. And that was kind of like the two trajectories that my life went. And I was just like, oh, like, let me like hone in on this like R&B soul side. And also like, I love this hard, like heavier rock. It was kind of my first like introduction to a heavier rock thing that was more than like ACDC or like classic rock stuff. And it also had like this hip hop element that was really cool to me at the time. So that was kind of like my two divergent paths that that took off from there. I like the the combination of those two things. I did the same thing back in the day. It was like I was listening to like Onyx back the fuck up and Naughty by Nature. And then on the other side was like Green Day and Stone Temple Pilots because the whole initial alternative explosion was happening. Yeah, that's I mean, that's basically more or less like the early 2000s version that that I had, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. But yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely a really formative time for me, like 2004, 2003, or like around there. So you're taking in all of this music. It sounds like you have a broad uh, palette of influences, which is good. How do you decide you want to start performing? Um, I mean, I always wanted to or had like a desire to, to sing, I would say. And uh, um never really had the confidence until later in life really um i played guitar in middle school like a little bit never really got far with it i played like in like school band and stuff but that's just like french horn and like nothing really like band oriented so i always had this musical inclination and like i was always drawn to it but i never really sought out how to go about um either performing writing playing you know whatever it was especially singing i i really like i always loved and was more drawn to the singing of whatever musical things i was listening to and i was always idolizing those people more so than like a guitarist or a drummer or something um but just kind of never had the confidence or the means or the way to figure that out for myself besides like singing along to songs in the car, you know, and kind of like figuring out harmonies and like seeing how I could like manipulate my voice to sound like this guy or whatever. They it definitely didn't come until like my early twenties uh, or like when I was like 18, 19, but um, just kind of like grew my interest in music along the way and, and, dove more in once I was in uh, late middle school and like early high school, a bunch of my friends would start local bands. I would just like start going to shows and seeing live performance for the first time and seeing like people my age doing it. And I was like, Oh, like this is obtainable, even though it's like, you know, they're obviously just local high school shows. It's not crazy, but it's, it's just like something that you could aspire toward and, and see like, Oh, this is like something that's tangible for me. I just never really found my way in that it, it all goes back to like the confidence thing. I was just like kind of shy when I was younger and didn't really like express myself or my wants or desire to like express that musical interest that I had, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I didn't get into bands until much later because like I wanted to sing for a hardcore band when I was like 16, 17, 18, but I don't know that I ever really tried. I was just too terrified to even admit it to anybody because I was afraid they'd be like, ah, fuck you. You can't do it or something like that. <laughs> You know, I didn't sing in a band until I was 35. So, yeah. and I'm 40 now. So it, it just took a while to like get my shit together and actually try it. I was just crippled with like uh, no self confidence. Yeah, same. Um, I was, my first like venture was uh, filling in for one of my homies' bands when I was 19. And it was like a, 
like a yelling uh vocalist so like wasn't really singing properly but uh i always wanted to do that first uh, in in terms of like what's most tangible like when i was really young i didn't really know what screaming was yet or whatever right so but just when it became a thing of like oh i'm seeing all these local bands and like there's a bunch of bands that sing there's a bunch of bands that yell i'm not gonna go toward the singing thing because i don't even think i can sing at that point i really had a desire to to like yell and just be like this crazy vocalist right so i i got the opportunity to fill in for one of my friend's bands and then shortly after that happened started my first band i think it was 19 or 20 and uh it was just like a hardcore band i was yelling and like it was a bunch of my homies it was really fun but that was like my first um proper band you always have like those bullshit middle school high school bands that don't do anything right but like that was like my first like hey we're gonna play shows we're gonna like record a demo like do our thing and it definitely took a lot of confidence and like getting hyped up from your friends and be like no like you got this you know and uh it's like uh I i hear it all the time where like people are like oh like um i've been playing music since middle school high school or whatever and like i'm still at it but it's like it's it, I feel like it's kind of discouraging at times when people want to get into it when they're 19, 20, you know, early twenties or whatever. And they're like, Oh, like, what am I going to do? Like all these people have been doing it for seven, eight years before me, but I'm, I'm always just like, yeah, fuck it. Like if this is what you want to do, you got to just follow what you want to do and follow your heart. And, and that's definitely what I did. Yeah. It's, it's really never too late. I remember being 30 years old and I was like, ah, I blew it. I'll never be in a band again. I can't start a band. I can't sing in a band. And that's ridiculous. Like, I'm 40 now. I'm putting a band together. It will be the first band I'm performing in where I'm singing live. And I feel like the options are limitless. I was just talking to a guy much older than me at a party the other day. And he's like, oh, I'd like to do that, but I think I'm too old. And I'm like, no, dude. Like, you, it, it doesn't matter. You could be like a cool old guy playing an acoustic guitar at like an open mic with like a cool singer songwriter thing going on. Like you could do anything. The options are limitless. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. And I think it's more the intent and your, what you're doing it for, because if, if you're saying that you're probably like, Oh, like looking for notoriety or looking for like, Oh, like this needs to go somewhere or you could just do it cause you want to do it and you love it. And that's like more or less the better stuff anyway, you know, cause you're not like expecting anything. You're not like doing it for this weird purpose. Um, a great example is uh mind force from our area. They're, they're all like um, older guys, like they all have families, kids, jobs, and they've all been doing bands for a long time since they're like twenties probably, or maybe even before that, but they just stuck through it and started a new band mind force in like 2016 or something like that. And they're like one of the biggest bands in hardcore right now. And they're like all aging and getting up there, but they, they like still have that spirit and still have that energy that just keeps them going. And they don't have this jadedness of like, Oh, like all these younger dudes or whatever around now. It's not like, because you, you can get to that point where I'm like getting my, to be in my late twenties and I'm seeing people that I started going shows with kind of drop off. Cause they're like, Oh, I'm too old now or whatever. It's like, like you're, you're young. Like it, you just, it, it's all a mentality. You just got to keep with the new shit or you're going to fall the fuck off and, and not be on anything cool anymore. And like, you're going to think that you just can't like bounce back or like get like, Oh, my, my one band failed. I can't start another one, but you definitely can. I don't know like why people don't think they can. It's weird. Yeah, everyone is different. Like uh, some people just go to shows for a minute and they're like, all right, I'm done. It's time to get married and have a kid or whatever else they're doing, get a job. And I guess like 
I guess some people reach their limit with one band. Like, you know, they, they get, they do the band, they tour, and then they're like, all right, I did that. On to the next thing. It, ju- it just depends on the person, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, life things happen all the time. And, like, you got to, like, hunker down and be responsible sometimes, you know, and you can't, like, spend all your time going to shows and bullshitting at night. But I don't know. Like, there's always a little bit of, um, being involved that you can do and or just like going to like a couple shows a year or like supporting your homies bands whatever you can you know but like some people are just like ah I'd just rather fall out and, and that's cool you know it's nothing against them it's just like i never want it to be discouraged to anyone to be like oh i can't do this because i'm too old it's like nah like come on man that, that's that's such a crazy concept yeah as long as you're still alive you can do it straight up as long as these lips are moving i'm singing <laughs> what is your attitude in terms of the music and your band and everything like is this your sole focus is this all you want to do um music in general is definitely my major focus and definitely um soul blinds is my main uh thing at this time in my life i guess um especially since we just put out a record and we're kind of just like going full force into touring next year and stuff so really want to um put that as my first foot forward i've been doing a couple like um side things just like with solo projects and stuff too but nothing like too crazy as of late just because i've been really focusing on soul blind but um i've always wanted to be in other bands too like just like playing bass so i don't have to focus on singing or whatever and like trying to have like other opportunities that really fill my time because there'll be sometimes where soul blind doesn't play a show for two months and i'm like damn like i kind of want to you know kind of want to like get get my feet back in, in in some way with with another project or whatever but as far as like life focus um i'm just very involved with music i love music i work at this venue called irving plaza i'm sure you've been there you know um oh yeah i i like try to surround myself with a bunch of people that are also doing music and are like adjacent things like graphic design art you know like things that all help the same um thing at the end of the day and uh i just kind of involve myself within music as much as i can just because i've i've throughout my life it's always been like the one constant thing where i've always been into it like I've kind of like just like in the art realm I've 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 been a movie guy at times in my life I've been a TV show guy but like all these things have fallen off to the point where it's like no music is the only thing that keeps me going and like focused on um any kind of like path in art that I want to take is always going to be music led I hear you on that I uh that has been the one constant in my life too from being uh, in grade school, making mixed cassettes of like the top 40 stations to being in bands in my 20s and 30s and then like, you know, falling into dark times for a really long time and not doing shit and then getting out of that and just reconnecting with music again, writing music, recording records, doing this podcast, whatever it is. Yeah, no, it's it's like it brings me the most joy and I think it's one of the craziest um art forms because you can't see it it's kind of just like there and I, I think that's that's so cool about it i like that yeah like you we have to create it we have to pull it from other places yeah and and it's amazing it's just like it's been around forever literally so i, I don't know it just keeps on evolving keeps like i love seeing things over time how they evolve different genres different sounds how like people react to different things as people get older um new generations of people making new newer music it's it's all really cool to me and uh, i love like being enthralled in it i find it fascinating because like let's put it this way okay soul blind first time i heard it very first time i heard it i was like fuck yes 
This is awesome. Let me continue listening to this. But there's other bands that have done that sound. And I'm like, eh, I don't really care. And then I never listen to it again. It's just fascinating that like different people can take the same influences and do something with it. And then like it might grab me and it might not. Yeah. Um, especially like within our kind of sound. Um there's definitely a bunch of bands popping up that that has that um kind of same influences, like you said, and just like different uh different sounds that are kind of like in the same pool. Um, but I mean, I don't know. We we like always come from the heart. Um I, I mean I, I like a lot of the other shit that's going on right now too in, in our genre for uh for lack of a term. But um yeah, I don't I don't know. I we just we're we're true to ourselves and trying to keep it real and that's that's all we could do. Nice. Yeah, I think this is a really, really good time for music because there's kind of a nineties revival thing happening. I love uh what younger folks like yourself are doing with the music. There's a lot of great new bands popping up more alternative sounding stuff like yourselves, more of the uh, shoegaze uh, kind of stuff, uh, bands like Holy Fawn and that whole scene, and then more pop punk, melodic hardcore stuff like Anxious, One Step Closer. Like we're getting great bands from every subset of this genre right now. Yeah. And and I would say it's probably like a lot of those bands were not, either they were, weren't born yet or they were young as fuck when like, the bands that are influencing them were going on so it's that that thing is kind of cool to me where um even me i was born in 94 and some of the first music i was listening to on my own was like this this grunge stuff like soundgarden nirvana and all that and i wasn't around for it but i was still like like it 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 stood the test of time obviously and like was kept playing kept in rotation and and got put on to like younger kids and i think that that's really cool because then i have a different perspective on it knowing all the other music that i've been into prior to that or like during it or whatever and the main thing that i love is uh going to a show that we play or something and i'm talking to some guy after that's like 40 plus and he's like oh uh this reminds me of seeing like failure live back in the day or whatever and i'm like damn like that's really cool because you were actually there and like you can you can tell me if this is like not it or if this is you know like fraudulent or whatever so like it's cool hearing like an 18 year old likes my music but their frame of reference isn't the same as that person that was seeing pearl jam live you know like so wow, yeah. i love i love getting that um difference in in the people that enjoy our, our stuff like if young kids are into it, that's awesome. I want to know their frame of reference. If older dudes are into it, that's awesome. I want to know their frame of reference. I always want to see like where people are are drawing it from, or if they have no frame of reference at all and they're just like getting hip to it now. That's really cool too. But I love seeing like um that scale of of things. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So let's talk about leading up to Soul Blind. Where what kind of bands were you playing in before that? Was it like the hardcore scene up in Hudson Valley? Yeah. So. Like when I was in high school, it used to be a lot of variety of of sounds of local bands. Like there's a lot of pop punk stuff happening. There's like indie rock and metalcore and like um, hardcore as well. But when I first, uh, my first band was like more hardcore metalcore leaning, you know. Um, and kind of over time, like the the more softer styles, I guess, kind of like fell off, and it was kind of just hardcore bands, and it's kind of still is to this day. Besides us and. Uh, there's like a couple like shoegazy bands here and there, but overall, what we're what we're known for from from people not in our area is is hardcore, and 
I love I love that it's it's really awesome, and I love that we can bring this like different flavor to our scene and hopefully inspire others to um, start making bands that aren't just hardcore and like it's it just adds like this depth and variety to the scene that will help everyone in the end and uh it's kind of hard just because we don't have a solid like diy venue right now we've we've been in and out of venues for like the last like five or six years and uh the only venue we have is like kind of expensive so it's like hard to book smaller type of shows they kind of have to go off to like make everything worth it and all that so we're kind of struggling on the end of venues and and participants kind of like need um, a younger audience to kind of come through and and respark what we had because when I was in high school, it was a lot of younger kids coming out to shows all the time, and I just don't see it anymore. And I, I don't think I'm like missing a certain scene or anything either, like that that I'm just not tapped into. It's just kind of like non-existent and definitely disappointing. But um, I think like my main goal is to just try and bring everything back to the Hudson Valley and try and put on for our city just to try and uh, re-spark what I got into when I was in high school and, and like thought was so like magical and cool that all these people from all these different high schools and like all these like weird mutual friends that were, we're all kind of spread out in different cities, but we know each other through music. It was a really cool thing to have. And I, I see it like slowly dying and I really want to like spark that back up. And that's kind of like my main goal with like repping, the Hudson Valley so hard is like, uh, I want people to either want to come here or be proud to be from here and kind of like have that confidence behind them to be like, yeah, we want to start a band too. Like, and just kind of like get our area going again. And it's, it's kind of hard because uh, we're not like a crazy big city or anything or like a flourishing scene. So it, it, it takes a lot to, to start that and, and keep it going. But uh, that's, that's really my main goal with, uh, with trying to put on for the city. I like that. Yeah, I was talking about that with my band, you know, because like the thing, the move for bands was to just say whichever big city you were from, like the nearest one. I like when bands say like exactly where they're from, like Title Fight would always rep Kingston, PA, you know, One Step Closer is Wilkes Bar, you guys are Hudson Valley. Like, I think that's good because it it could inspire people in that city. And I, I always imagine, I hope that in these small towns, kids are experiencing what I experienced because in Bucks County, PA, we had an incredible scene that a lot of notable bands came out of. And there were shows every weekend. There was great venues. Everybody came through. And I think everybody should get to experience that. Yeah. And and I don't really know what to blame it on. Maybe it's just like the internet and people are into different stuff musically and, and stuff like that. But I, I think it could be reignited at any time, you know, like, and I I really love that bands like Turnstile are putting on for different people that aren't exposed to guitar music even or like any kind of heavier leaning rock. Um, yep. So I love that they're doing their thing and kind of like rising up everybody else and, and sparking that interest, especially among like younger kids. And uh, I hope that translates over time and, and just like makes our scene flourish and like it is flourishing in a lot of places it's just more specifically our area you know yeah i think it's more of a niche thing these days because because of social media and the internet and you know there's a software for everything so a kid can just sit home and like kind of put together music by himself whether it's like a rap thing or you could even do it with instruments now but my secret hope is that like one day social media dies down a bit more and I don't know. There's more of the stuff that there was in the old days, but you know, I still get out to shows sometimes. I still see young bands 
playing instruments, like it's still happening. And that brings me a lot of joy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really great and inspiring. Um, I see it all the time down here in the city. Like there's literally every kind of genre and every kind of age group is doing something. So just like seeing that, I'm just like, damn, I wish we had that. Or like, even like, um, I used to go to a lot of shows in Long Island when I was younger because it just had like a crazy flourishing scene and it's still flourishing. It's still doing really well. And like, it's very close to the city. So like, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover, but we're like just outside of that reach where it's like a city kid's probably not going to go to Poughkeepsie for a show because it's like an hour and a half train ride. And it's just like annoying to get to, but I don't know. We have like Connecticut close, you know, there's like, a, like Albany's not too far. It's like an hour and a half maybe. So it's, it's a bunch of neighboring things that could all congregate back to like the Poughkeepsie area. But I don't know. We just, just need to, uh, need to keep doing shows and, uh, and bringing like cool bands there to, to inspire more really. So talk about the beginning of soul blind. Like at what point do you decide, okay, I've done enough hardcore. Let me try something different. Um, our, our old hardcore bands, it, it had like, uh, two of our guitarists in it, Finn and Justin They They were both in it as well with me. Um, kind of just like dissolved after a year or so. wasn't really doing much. Um, and we kind of wanted to try like this different, um, different sound. It was a little lighter, a little grungier, and just uh, we we're kind of just going back to what I said earlier of like we were, we were just all growing up with this style of music that we we're really influenced by, and and like we've gone through the motions of like all the shit we liked in high school and like all the different phases of things, and we we're just like, oh, let's let's just go back to center of this is what we truly grew up on, like when we were first being formative into our musical taste. And um, I kind of wanted to sing in a band and, and didn't really know how I was even going to go about that, like a style that of singing, because I, I didn't really have one at the time and I just knew how to yell. So this kind of was experimenting, trying things out. Our first band practice, we were just fucking around. Um, I had not played bass prior to that. And I just had a bass laying around. And I was like, oh, like, I'll just play bass until we find a bassist, basically. But I'm going to, like, sing in the band. And then that just turned into never finding a bassist. And I just, like, learned how to do both, I guess. But but uh, that's just, like, the way of a lot of bands, I feel like. You just kind of, like, figure it out. But that was, like, our formative thing. We we're just, like, kind of finding our sound and figuring out what direction we wanted to go to. But just, like, keeping it. Um, true to ourselves the whole way and just trying to uh, inject like a different kind of sound to uh, to our scene that really didn't have anything sounding like this ever. Um, just kind of wanted a, a different flavor that, I mean, our whole existence, we, we played hardcore shows and granted we're not a hardcore band, but like we just kind of love that mixed bill kind of thing where you, you could get other people out that wouldn't be even necessarily like exposed to hardcore ever before but they're like oh like what was that crazy band after you played like that like had all this like moshing and shit that was cool it get, like gets everything injected with a new uh new perspective and you just get all these like different people together and and try and like ignite the scene that way you know and uh it it, it took a little while to like find what we really wanted to do and we just did like a lot of smaller local shows and eventually like did little bullshit weekenders or tours and played to five people. But, you know, that's that's what everyone does, you know? What is the scene like out there? Like, is there an alt scene at all now? When I think of when I think of uh, shows out there and people going to the shows, all I can think of is, like, the hardcore scene and, like, the adjacent ones pretty much, I guess. Like, what what's out there now? You're saying, like, uh, in, in our area specifically? Or? Yeah. I guess, like, what 
not not necessarily the same kids, but I guess like a new generation of younger kids are more into um, hip hop and and like beats and stuff like that, and kind of like fell off from the band train. And I definitely like loved all that, and like a lot of my friends are doing it, and I was doing it. And it was just like something that you could do at the same time as a band too, like I did. So like it wasn't like necessarily a, a shift or anything. It was just like this new element that kind of became more accessible because everyone got access to uh, the same interface that I'm recording this on. And like, all you need is one mic and, and a beat program and you could like create something. And it's like really accessible way to create music. So I always loved that. And I think that um, because of that though, it kind of like fell off from the ability to be like, Oh, like to play a show, we need to get a band and like become friends with all these other bands. And then it like creates this huge scene that everyone loves and stuff. It kind of became like a solo venture of like, Oh, I'm just doing this and I'm like solo in this. And it's like, I don't know. It's like a little harder to, to bring a lot of people together to, to support. And plus like people just aren't into that or um, they like a little more, uh, accessible sound of of like an indie rock band or something like something that's like you could you know play on the radio or something you know just like anything like that i think i think right now it's it's a uh, it's just like kind of struggling like i said to like try to get momentum and get its feet off the ground more or less because of the aging thing and like people are just like falling off of like ah oh, i don't really want to go see a band on friday like you know i'd rather like go to the bar or something and it's like all right well you know whatever that's why i kind of want like this younger um generation to 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 start going to shows and like if, if whenever we see like a younger person at our shows if like no one like have seen them before like i feel like everyone's like very inviting and very uh supportive and tries to like make them feel welcome so that they can you know want to come back or like bring the friends or whatever it's like same thing that happened to me like when i was when i was younger and like getting into like the more proper hardcore scene. Like there's a bunch of older dudes that like looked out for me and like tried to be like, Oh, like, you know, this, this isn't like some weird club where you, you don't have to feel welcome or anything. Like, like we, we encourage you to be here because you keep the shit going, you know? And I always, I always want to push that because it, it really um, helped me when I was getting into it. So I, I always want to like pay that forward and, and try and be that person for somebody else. That's good. Yeah. And nothing beats a band live. Like I listen to plenty of hip hop, I've even seen some of it live, but it's just it's just never that good. Like I the last hip hop type show I went to was like some more local acts and you know, they didn't really know what they were doing. One guy was drunk and was like almost fighting the audience. It was just very amateurish and I was like, what is going on? It's just it's just not the same, you know? The, the and I think it's circling back around to like band stuff, which is cool. Uh, you know, you mentioned turnstile, like everybody likes them. Everybody goes to see them, which is crazy. Like, it's it's just crazy how that stuff happens. Like, why Turnstile among a million bands? But, well, I know why, because they're really good. But, like, it's just interesting how this stuff all shakes out. Yeah, I, th- I think every, like, especially in their case, like, everything comes back in waves um, with, like, cycles of, of people liking different styles of music and stuff. And especially with, the, especially with their new album, it's kind of, of, like, I hear a lot of alternative rock in there and just, like, less hardcore like obviously they have the hardcore but it's like it's more so like stuff that could be on a soul blind album every once in a while like i hear like oh like i kind of hear like that riff like could work in our shit you know so it's like that was really inspiring when i heard the new album i was like damn like they're like leaning toward this because it's more or less it is more accessible than than a heavy riff like i love 
I love hardcore. It's the best, but like the common man probably doesn't, you know? So like you gotta, you gotta appeal to like all these different, um, all these different markets and these different, uh, uh, people's interests. And I think they do it pretty well. And, and, and because of that, maybe the guy that likes some crazy, uh, hip hop shit right now will be like, Oh, like this kind of has the same energy as, as what I like. And, and maybe I'll dive more into like a heavier version of this that kind of mimics the the same energy that I get from this hip hop song or whatever, you know? So I, th- yeah. I think everything feeds off of each other and hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll, they'll be like, Oh, like this is a cool energy. You know, it's like instead of one dude rocking out, it's five dudes rocking out and, and like everyone's going crazy. And in the audience, it's like, it's really fun. So, so I hope everything inspires other things to, to keep flourishing, you know? It does. It does. Even when you don't realize it, like I'll, I'll be creating things and it'll be, I'll realize it's completely from something else, but you know, new enough. So I'm not ripping it off, but, uh, everything influences everything else. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of everything, honestly. Okay. So we're in soul blind. We're performing locally. We're finding our sound. Talk about leading up to recording the full length and getting the attention of other people records. Um, so I guess like, after we kind of figured out more or less a, a path that we wanted to go, we we had our first like decent response, I guess, past our local level uh, with this promo 2019 that we put out at the end of 2019. It was just like two songs and uh, people really like started to gravitate to that more than anything else. And like we were just we had been doing a bunch of shows like just trying to like... Uh, be friends with bands and like try and like get our name out there in different uh places and stuff and uh how do you see the increased response to the promo songs is it like through total plays online or just more people coming to the shows or more people reaching out like what is it i guess at that point um more so like show offers and and people uh I guess like talking about us online or something because like we we didn't really get streaming numbers too crazy at that point you know it was like kind of just like run of the mud stuff but just like we're getting invited to more shows or like people are like showing up more or it's it was it was more like we we would only go to like long island philly some jersey shit or like albany or something and then once we got down to florida after the promo thing that was like okay like we're really branching out to like a whole separate area and that was kind of like a, a little more um realization of like okay this is like growing a little bit you know and then that was like directly before the pandemic hit and kind of got uh stalled obviously as everyone did like during that um during that time with with the live stuff but like i don't know just continued to try and do online stuff to try and like uh keep the fire growing and 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 peaking interest and all that um definitely wanted to have a full length out way sooner than we did but like a lot of other bands we didn't want to put something out during pandemic and have it be lost and don't have this like uh come to the show effect that um some albums had um and i and i pride ourselves of really having a a really good sounding live performance where i almost tell people if they want to check us out come see us live don't even listen to the recording you know and like obviously like i want people to listen to the recording but I kind of love our live energy more so than anything else and, and kind of like want that to be a first impression. And then you're like, Oh, let me go back to the record because I like that song or whatever. Like I like the energy, you know? But yeah. So I, I think uh, le- leading up to that was, was a little hard just like trying to 
figure out what we're going to do. Um, over the pandemic, we just like wrote a whole lot and tried to figure out producers and tried to like see what we were going to do. We, uh, we recorded three songs with, uh, John Markson in, damn, I don't even remember when that was, but it was definitely during the pandemic. And we released them on other people in August of 2021. And that was like right when shows were happening again. And we had like this, uh, this tour with with that band Koyo coming out um in September. Nice. So we uh recorded those songs just kind of like didn't know what we were going to do with them. It was three of them and uh we just wanted to have like a a nice jolt of of energy right as we were getting to kick back into shows. So uh we we put uh the video for Third Chain out which is the single on it and just uh put out the other two songs like right before we went on that tour. And that was like our first like actual like oh like people from not anywhere where we've toured before are like paying attention to this. And like, it was like definitely uh humbling because I was like, damn, like this is, this is like actually uh, do, doing something I never thought we would, we would go to coming off of just trying out singing and playing bass in a band that we did after my hardcore band, you know? So it was definitely pretty cool. Um, and other people had just, uh, they had put out, songs from this band modern color that we were cool with and we had toured with just like did like a weekender with them um before the pandemic so we were like aware of them and they had a similar ethos and like similar sound uh for a label that like kind of fit in where we were going and uh they put out our ep and also like the full length that just came out but they were they were awesome to work with and they're like the homies so it it was really cool uh working with them but that like kind of jump started us back into the touring world and kind of been like just knocking down the door ever since. Yeah, absolutely. So when do you record feel it all around and how do we end up landing on Will Yip? I think that was the year. Yeah. Yeah. So 2021 we recorded with him in November and December of 2021 uh, after like that Koyo tour. And we did like a couple other scatter shows, but um, we all just, grew up on like in in high school and shortly after like all the bands that he recorded like title fight and balance composure super heaven and a bunch of others and we always like really liked the sound and like we were watching the in-studio documentaries that like highlighted the process and everything and just had this affinity toward it and it was always like our number one like oh we gotta like figure out how to work with him and and the stars just aligned he was down and um took a little while to to get in because he's he's this busy guy and and all that you know but um once once it happened it was it was incredible we we did like three and a half weeks with him in the studio and uh it's just like a great great time great process um and it was it was like dream come true to get to to work in that studio just seeing like recorded on like lauren hill's microphone and like seeing all these like plaques on the wall and shit it was it was really cool but uh it came out awesome and uh took like i guess a year basically to the day after that for it to come out but you know like the vinyl shit and everything you gotta like push that and all that but um it's really really lucky that we got to work with him and it was uh it was a dream come true for sure yeah i mean you must have been mind blown it was like three short years from the first release coming out to you figuring out what you're doing to the band figuring out their sound to now recording with the engineer you want to record with and putting out this fantastic record. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Like I always say the the two people I always wanted to work with was uh Will Yip and Rick Rubin. So, you know, we got we got one down and uh 
we'll, we'll see. We'll see about Rick. I don't know about that, but you know, uh, anything's possible. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I can see it right now. Rick's already uh, scheduling in Turnstile because uh, you know they're the it band right now, and uh, he'll be working with them. And then Turnstile will lead to someone else, and someone else will lead to Soulblind. It's all going to happen. I can see it all right now. It's the trickle down, you know. It's, it's uh, <laughs> it w- it ho- hopefully it'll work out, but you know, it w- can't predict the future. And, and like right now, I'm just like kind of focused on uh, trying to just like jam the fuck out of this record and, and not really uh go crazy on on new shit and um i don't know just like kind of see where where it takes us and and what plays out but definitely uh definitely still writing and still still doing our thing but uh i don't know just trying to trying to tour a fuck ton that's that's like truly what i love to do more than anything like recording's awesome but i love i love playing live it's just like such a cool intimate experience that i like still love like even though i've been doing it for however many years like it's it's so awesome that's amazing. Yeah. Are you seeing a big response to the record? Yeah, I mean, it was it's like more than anything we've ever done. Um it was kind of cool cuz it ended up like, you know, a lot of people were putting on like their end of year list, which is so cool and, and super grateful. It was weird cuz we put out the record when we did a a Europe tour for we were like 3 days into the Europe tour and it was like 5 weeks. So, like we barely were on the internet like that. We weren't interacting with people in America. And would say that not a lot of people in Europe were really hip to our shit and kind of like didn't, you know, know about it or anything. So it's not like I was seeing it in person, really. Took like to when we got home, uh, it came out November 11th. And then we played uh, our release show in New York on the 16th of December. So it was like basically like a month and a half after and kind of like saw how people were taken to it in person and like seeing these newer songs that had only been out a month, like people singing along and stuff is like super humbling and just like really cool. Um, we did like a release show weekend. We played in uh, Ridgewood and then Baltimore and then Philly and all the shows were really awesome. We played with all our friends and it was just like a, a really cool experience to to see these songs that we've been working on for like three or four years, really finally uh, come to light. And then, first times playing it live type stuff. And, and it's just, it's crazy to, to see people already down with it. It's, it's, it's a cool experience for sure. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I was gripped as soon as I heard it. The production is spot on. It's a fantastic album and you should be jamming the fuck out of it for a long time to come because uh, you guys did great work. Yeah. And, and especially since like a lot of these songs, like I said, like took a while to get into the studio and took a while for it to come out. So some of these demos that we had were from like 2018 and it's coming out four years later, you know, it's, 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 ins- it's insane. But because of that, we had a lot of time to perfect um, the structures and just like figure out exactly what we wanted to do. And that's, that's really good as opposed to like being rushed in a studio with songs you've only been jamming for like a month or two, you know? So like, I guess like that's always good, but always frustrating at the end of the day being like, damn, like we've had this shit for so long and like it's finally coming out. But I I still love all the songs and I jam the shit too. So I I'm I'm pretty happy that I, I haven't been uh like jaded or like annoyed by any of the songs. You know, <laughs> it's and and <laughs> and like the the people that I talk to in in like career long bands where they're like, oh, I fucking hate playing this song from ten years ago or whatever. I just I just, <laughs> I just hope I never get to that point. You know, <laughs> yeah. No, it's just great to have a new like rock riff oriented band you know uh i think uh i think there is a need for that and i think 
Soul Blind is filling that need wonderfully. Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, especially when you get to a certain point, you kind of like like age, you kind of yeah. uh, kind of stop checking out newer sounds for better yeah. for better or for worse, you know. Like, but I think they're more people are more inclined to check out something that they liked when they were young, or something that's like kind of like a rehash or like a new reimagining of that has like their own newer spin on it. It's like a little more easier to digest than like a completely new genre that like they're like so unfamiliar with and they immediately write off and stuff. So I think that works to our advantage a lot. And we're still bringing like our own type of newer influences to it as well that that draw in the newer listener as well. So I think that everything works together to to really help us out in that realm for sure. And and it's like uh, I also do it just for like the kid in me that's like loving nirvana when i was like 10 years old and be like damn like it'd be so cool to like do something like this and like to be able to do it with our own twist later in life is like really satisfying big time big time yeah like when i read the list of influences i was like oh no wonder uh, i like this so much it's like all the bands that i like the most yeah you know we uh we do it uh true to ourselves you know we, we uh we love that shit and we, and we want to honor it as much as possible and, and try and uh put our own twist on it when you're younger like way younger and you hear these bands are those kind of bands cool like is that accepted amongst the younger crowd because when i was young i was in fourth grade and all of those initial alternative bands were popping nirvana pearl jam soundgarden green day you know all that stuff and i was way into that because it was new it was exciting it was cool it was what was happening but then there'd be these other kids who liked classic rock I guess because their parents indoctrinated them with it. And I'd be really irritated. Like I'd be at a party and the kids would be like, yeah, man, the Beatles. Yeah, man, let's listen to the doors. And I'd be like, fuck off. Like, wh- where are you? What am I? When-? And I still don't love that stuff. I've never lo- really liked it. I've never uh, gotten deep into classic rock. I'm Some of it I like, but it's I never just sit down and put it on. Like, what? Is your relationship with the '90s alternative music when you're growing up and listening to it? So it's it's weird because I guess like um, with our like slight generational difference, um, the kids that were wearing their Nirvana shirt were also wearing the ACDC shirt, and were also wearing the Led Zeppelin shirt. You know, it's like kind of like at a certain ah. like when I was really young, like middle school. I'm talking about like before people really like dove into the specifics. They kind yeah. they kind of all were blended together. We had this classic rock station called WPDH, and they were playing Nirvana into like Rush, into like you know like all all this shit, kind of all blended together. And then once you got like a little older into high school, kind of like separated a little bit, and people were like, oh, like you know the the classic rock kids kind of fell off and like found their own way through like maybe getting into the Strokes or something like that, you know, like that kind of scene. And then like oh I see, and like I gravitated toward the heavier stuff. I was like getting into metalcore and uh, just like different new metal and stuff like that you know wow yeah so it's like it funnels down if you're into the beatles you funnel down to the strokes <laughs> if you're into acdc you might like funnel down to hardcore Dude, oh that's interesting know? and 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 to be honest i i can't knock the beatles i'm i'm definitely a fan but but that's just from my, my parents playing it in the car and all that and like um i definitely love that that style as well i just never really uh as i got older went back to it as much until my twenties, and then I and then I went back full swing. But that's that's just me, you know. I I, I understand the the uh, the hate toward it, but you know, <laughs> it, uh, it, it's always going to be there for me. Yeah, I you know I I've talked about it before. I've given the Beatles a hard time on the show, but ultimately now where I'm at today in 2023, 
if a band is good, I respect them. And uh, I, I, I can respect the Beatles. Um, ACDC is cool. I actually do really like Led Zeppelin. They're probably one of the few classic rock bands that I would actually like put on and listen to. So, you know, respect where respect is due. I get it. Yeah, I think as you get older, like um, a lot of the the petty reasons why you don't like things to kind of like dissolve and you're just like, Oh, like uh, if, if I just dropped this, uh, this like weird reason, like I, I didn't like the people that wore the shirt or like, I didn't, you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. You're just like, Oh, I'm just going to listen to the music for the music's sake. And it's like, damn, like this, all right, this guy got something. Obviously with the Beatles, they're like, they stole everybody's sound and this and that. And like, I get that, you know, but like that kind of happens all the time with a lot of different styles of music. And it, it's just like another re reimagination of, of whatever they were really into. But it's a little weird back in the sixties and seventies where you couldn't really fact check that as much. And people are just like, Oh my God, they're creating all these different sounds. But then once like you get into the nineties and like the information age, people are like, Oh, like what the fuck? They like stole this whole shit from Chuck Berry. And like, fuck, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny to, to see that, but you know, the, it's, it's already done. People already love that shit. And, and some people aren't even heavy music fans where they give a fuck. And they're just like, Oh, like, well, I like this style. I don't really care about the other shit. And I'm not even going to dive in to figure it out. Cause I don't even like cares. It's kind of like a passing thing, but you know, it's uh depends on the listener. I think ultimately it's good because with the internet or Spotify is bad ultimately, but having access to everything will be good for music because you can be exposed to everything. When I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. Like you could only buy one CD, I don't know, every three months or if you're lucky. So you're, it's not like you can just be exposed to everything and listen to everything and be hit with all these influences but now you can listen to anything and everything all at once yeah i i kind of think that i'm on like the very teetering edge of uh i grew up with like dial-up and kind of transitioned over to like streaming when i was i think like spotify was popping when i was like 1920 yeah it was like 2010 i remember that becoming a real thing 2010 2011 yeah so around there i was like late high school and uh before that you know, I was like, you know, LimeWire and all that shit. But even before that, I had to buy the song on iTunes or get the CD. And I remember like some of the CDs were like $18. And I was like, dog, like, I only like the single. What am I going to like? Like, <laughs> how, how can I just like invest this much into something that I might not even like? But nowadays, you could just stream the whole record. And if you don't like it, all right, I, I'm on to the next shit. It's, it's, it's really cool. But I like that I got that perspective of appreciating it a little more and being like a little more invested to the, to the, Oh, like, let me like actually give this a chance instead of like the fleeting nature of streaming where it's just like, Oh, let me browse through this shit for like a different sound. And, you know, it's like kind of grew like a little more appreciation for actually wanting to understand the shit and, and, and diving in a little more, you know, that's cool to hear from a, uh, from a younger perspective because, I spent a lot of time, I spent a good amount of time pre-internet where it was just like, you know, we're just getting in. There was 52 channels. We still, network TV was still a major thing. Uh, no internet. So you would buy a record and you would get lost in that record for months and months or years. Like that, you know, you, that what you weren't hit with like the giant world of the internet and YouTube and Twitch and a billion cable channels and every stupid, uh, studio out there has their own streaming service it's just like no like this record is it for the uh, next x amount of months yeah and and like even hearing a song on the radio i remember 
Yeah. I would try and uh, I had this like early, early MP3 player that had like 32, like something crazy, like 32 megabytes, you know, like you could put like one album on there or some shit, like something <laughs> insane, but it had an, it had an FM tuner. So you could listen to the radio and I think you could like record a song like through the radio. So like I was young enough to remember those times where I'm just like waiting around listening for the song and waiting just so I yeah. could like record even a part of it and like listen again. And another thing is like YouTube was a thing when I was in like middle school. So like I was like 14, something like that. And you could still uh, stream music in a way and like music videos and stuff like that. But before that, I was doing dial up and it, you were not streaming anything and and just the the accessibility to stuff is has changed so much and i'm just kind of happy that I, I have two sides of that coin where like i still grew up in my early 20s like late teens with that stuff but my formative years when i was really getting into my my interests i i kind of still needed to dive in and really have that appreciation for it to to seek it out you know absolutely yeah that's why i'm glad i've seen like every side of it you know i don't know it's just uh, i'm i'm happy where i'm at basically but yeah you know the pandemic really changed things uh i didn't go on youtube very much before the pandemic and something happened where i just discovered youtube and content creators and that whole world and and people doing that and then later twitch and now i'm on twitch like every hour of every single day you know it's 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 like a whole world that i didn't know about and i i like it a lot it's kind of crazy i i'm on youtube more than anything else i want to say like more than i listen to music more than i do anything it like video games nothing uh there's just so many different things you could you can watch old music videos you could like listen to all these interviews of your favorite artists from back in the day or right now like i'm a big podcast head it's just YouTube has everything. And I just discovered on my phone that um, you can minimize the screen where the YouTube is playing and have it playing in the background while you're doing other shit. So that's insane to me. I could just have a YouTube running because I, I it used to be annoying where like if a, if an album was only on YouTube, you would have to leave you your, had to leave it open. Dude, that was so annoying. It was so discouraging. And now yeah. I just have it going where I'm scrolling on Instagram and still watching this. Oh, it's, it's game over. I figured that out like two weeks ago. It's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> uh, it's, you can only do that if you have premium, right? No, like it, it was that for a while. And then I updated my app and now it just does it. Amazing. Um, yeah, like I don't have premium and I don't get ads. I don't, I don't know if it has something to do with the fact that I have a YouTube account and I upload shit to it every single week and it's X amount of years old, but I don't get ads, which is great. That's that's really cool. I get ads on my phone, but I have the ad blocker on Google Chrome. So, you know, I, if it's a, if it's on my desktop, I don't get ads, but on my phone, I still get them, but I don't even mind if I get that uh that picture in a picture shit where I could just have it on the, uh, on the screen. That's, that's a game changer for me. I try to imagine like what's coming next. Like who could have predicted the internet, who could have predicted, uh, everything happening through a cell phone. So I'll be on YouTube and I, I'm on YouTube a lot like you and I jump around. I'm like, Oh, here's a bald Eagle cam. Here's an old music <laughs> video. Here's the opening intro to a cartoon. I forgot about from 30 years ago. I jump around like a, like a crazy person and I love it. And it, it, sometimes I just get immersed and I get this feeling. So I think, I think the next step is like full immersion. Like, um, I don't know, some kind of VR thing where instead of just watching the video, you're like actually there. That'd be pretty cool. Um, I've never dove into the VR world, but yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. I think like, like when you, 
when you were listing off all like the random things you were looking at, the the one that comes to me is like I'll I'll type in like animal fight videos of just like 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 <laughs> lions fighting zebras, you know, like shit shit like that, or like lions fighting each other. And if I was there, that'd be that'd be kind of a scary situation. If, if I'm in VR, like watching watching out for the paw about to hit me, so that would be pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> I like to watch those too. Like I don't, it depends on what what the animals are. Sometimes they get a little skittish or sad if it's like you know. Sure. You don't want like the prey ones, you know? <laughs> yeah, like crocodile grabs poor antelope. I'm like, oh, no. no but, like, you, need, you need the equal body forces going going against each other, you know? Like I saw this video of uh, two rival gangs of otters fighting in a river. <laughs> <laughs> and then one like gave up and ran away. And I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's like I feel like an otter fight wouldn't even be too bloody, you know? I think that they would probably... It wasn't. That's the thing, yeah. Yeah, they're probably just fucking around. It's just like, you know, just like play boxing. But, you know... <laughs> that, you just see cool. the water, like, going crazy. They, they're they pretty vicious to each other. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. I'm sure it's uh, <laughs> it's scarce out there for, for supplies and all that. So uh, let's talk about what we've got coming up. We've got Feel It All Around Out Now. We want everybody to listen to that. Absolutely, if you haven't yet. You've got a tour coming up supporting One Step Closer, right? Yeah, um One Step Closer and Life's Question is on it and it's uh it's hitting like little Midwest and little uh down the East Coast. It's uh I think it starts January 11th. And what else do you have coming up? Anything we can announce, any future shows, anything like that? So after the One Step Closer tour, we're just doing uh, a weekender with this band called White Reaper and we're playing just like uh Boston, New York, and Philly. It's really special for me because I get to play Irving Plaza, the venue that I work at. And oh. I never thought that I would play there like this recent, at least. Because it's it's like a 1200 cap and they got like a barrier. It's like it's kind of like a bigger venue that we haven't played in uh, the States so far. So that's really cool to me. Um, in, uh, in April, we're playing with Gorilla Biscuits in New Haven. We're doing a little tour just like a quick run down to this uh, festival in Richmond that we're playing with super heaven and like Narrowhead and uh, a couple others. After that, we, we have like um, tentative plans to like go international and uh, just doing like a bunch of shows over the summer, but nothing like concrete, but definitely going to stay active. And if we're not even doing like long form tours, we'll be playing regionally all the time and just like hopping on different shows. So I definitely want to, keep on the live train just to like push this record and and really uh really go hard with it you know yes this is the time to do it right here right now the record is fantastic it sounds like you're playing with like every good band out there and uh amazing offers are coming in so that that's awesome yeah um what when we put out the record we were in um we were in in europe doing literally the biggest shows we've ever played it was insane like some of the the venues that we played in like germany and all these other countries and it was like super humbling to be like oh we got like this new record we're playing all these new songs and we're playing like these huge venues and it's just like so sick to to be able to do that in a place that i've never even been to like europe and getting to do that through music is is really awesome and i I just want to want to keep it rocking like there's a whole lot of places in the u.s that i had never been to before touring and just being able to do that is is really cool, and and I love it, and and never want to take it for granted. I want to keep it going, hundred percent. That's awesome. Does the pressure ever get to you? Like, I mean, there's a lot of things happening very fast. 
I know sometimes if I have like three big interviews in a week, I'm like, I can't do it anymore. I don't <laughs> want to do it. But then I do it and then I and then I feel really good afterwards. Literally, I feel like the only pressure thing is like um, I'll design a lot of our merch or like flyers and stuff like that. And sometimes I'll like take that to the last minute and be like, damn, I got to like figure out merch for the store, like got to throw shit together. But like as far as music wise or performing, I'm always ready to go 100%. It's just like the all like the side things that come with being in a band, like figuring out like van rental and like all this other shit. That's, that's really the only pressure and like the, the business stuff. But as far as creating or like um, performing, I'm, I got it all the time. I'm ready to go. If truly, if money wasn't a thing and I could play shows every day, I would like, that's I, awesome. I, I don't have any like uh, things that I'm really like need to be home for you know like i i don't know like i don't have like a girlfriend that misses me or anything like that or like the, the only thing i need to come back for is to pay rent and figure out how i'm getting money to pay rent and and if that wasn't a thing i would tour all the time every day because i i never feel as good as i do as i do when i'm performing and on that stage even if it's like a small show big show doesn't matter i like i love this shit so much that's it that's the mindset you need to really take it to uh, great lengths. I like you have nothing holding me back, so I'm just I'm just ensconced in whatever it is I'm doing at that time. Exactly. That's a that's the way to do it. And like obviously like everyone has like things that, you know, bring them back to earth as far, as far as like pursuing dreams and stuff, but at this point in my life I'm just I'm going full speed ahead at at this and uh just seeing where where I can go, you know, it's already taken me to like a whole other country that I never thought I would be in, in my life. So like just riding off that, I'm just like, damn, like I, I can't even go half ass now. Like, this is crazy. Amazing. Well, Sen, uh, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come on the show. And I love the new record. I love everything I've heard and I wish you all continued success. Hell yes. Thank you so much for the kind words about it. And, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. It, It was really cool. And there you have it, Sen of Soul Blind. That was a great conversation with a great person from a great up-and-coming band. I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit here for you. It's Sunday night, the night before the show premieres on Monday morning, and I'm piecing everything together and dropping some Soul Blind audio into the show. And I just listened to Bruise the Sore like three times. This band is awesome. I love the 90s vibes. I love what they're doing. And I loved that conversation with Sin. It's great to hear where he's coming from. Nothing makes me happier than when people's dreams come true after all that hard work. He's working at Irving Plaza and now he's going to be playing there. That's cool. I love that. We covered it all. From the band to everything we're watching on YouTube. All of the important topics are covered here at the new scene. So I wish Sen and the band continued success. I can't wait to hear more from them. If you haven't, their discography is flawless too. I'm really digging Feel It All Around. I went back and listened to the Untitled 2018 release as well. It's all good. It's all really good. So make sure you check it out. Thank you once again, Sen. That was awesome. So let's check in. How are we doing? This was a crazy busy weekend. Saturday, I was out from like noon till, I don't know, almost midnight. 
my band is practicing again. It's getting closer to being able to play a gig finally. What does it sound like, you ask? Well, imagine Ink and Dagger meets Sleepy Time Trio meets The Spacier Parts of Caven meets Sonic Youth. No name yet. We're writing our fifth song, and after the fifth song is done, I'm going to name the band and get out there and start playing gigs. I'm excited for you to hear it. We've been working on it for a long time. We had our first practice right before COVID. About a year later, we started playing again, and it's getting ever closer to being done. And I'm excited because I haven't played a gig in a long time, and this will be my first time playing guitar and singing live. So that's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to everybody hearing that in 2023. So band practice was Saturday, and me and my bandmates have been waiting, planning, figuring out something to do to all go out and hang out together. So we made plans to see the casket lottery at St. Vitus. I got the tickets. It was all planned. But then one of the guys dropped out. He could not make it. Armando, if you're listening, you owe us a hangout. You owe us. And we will be coming to collect. But I went to the gig and it was great. I uh, I got there really early. I got there at like seven o'clock and there was four people in there. And I was like, oh, shit. What am I going to do? I don't drink. Do I sit at the bar? I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. So I walk in and I'm like, oh, let's just sit down. And then I see Stacy from the casket lottery who has been on the show multiple times. I see him sitting at the bar. So I went down and talked to him for a while. And that was great because uh, I sort of met him in person at Furnace Fest in 2021. But this was my first time really meeting him in person and getting to talk to him. So that was cool. Her Heads on Fire opened the gig. And they're always great to see. It was great to see Joe and catch up with him. Taking Meds was direct support. I had never heard this band before. Imagine like a grungy, emo-tinged rock band, that Midwestern kind of sound, but it's not too much of any one of those things. The singer mentioned that they recorded their latest record with Kurt Ballou, so that's exciting. I definitely need to check out the rest of their music. I really liked what I heard. So there's a recommendation for you. Taking Meds. They were really really good. And the Casket Lottery. Casket Lottery are freaking great live. I am always reminded of how much I like them every time I see them. So I'm going back and listening to all their stuff again. It was a great, well-rounded set. Uh, One of my bandmates, Chris, did make it to the show. So we hung out for a bit. And yeah, oh, I met Chris Enriquez too, uh, in person at the gig. I saw him there He's been on the show, so it was nice to see him in person. It's always nice to meet people in person that I've spoken to on the show, because I don't know if you know this, when I record the show, there's no camera, they can't see me, I can't see them, so I'm I'm a bit of a mystery. So I, I always take the opportunity to say hi to people in person when appropriate. All in all, a fantastic weekend. And before I conclude, I want to read a review. We have a new review, and here it is. Five stars. Great podcast from Boy Likes Noise. Great podcast for those who love hardcore. Well-conducted interviews. Thank you, Boy Likes Noise. That's right. We cover it all. Hardcore, post-hardcore, emo, shoegaze, ska now. You name it. We cover it all. And that is the goal here, to speak to everybody. 
So that's it for this week. And I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. Who's the guest, you ask? Well, I'm going to give you a hint. And here it is.